we think about the business in two ways. There's the live games, which is about three hours a week for 20 weeks of the year. And then there's what we call 24-7 fan engagement, which is how do we reach our fans every other second of the day, as well as during that same three-hour window on a second screen, third screen, and fourth screen. Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports and innovation, digital media, entrepreneurship, all different kinds of things. I'm Joe Favorito, along with my co-host, Tom Richardson. Tom, here we go again. Hi, Joe. Uh, it's good to be back for the show in on a cold jan- late January day. Um, been an interesting start to the year in the business, particularly with what's going on uh, with COVID, of course. But today, um, we'll we'll leave that to the side. Well, maybe we'll address it in the context of the conversation. But there's a, there's a kind of big event coming up in a in a week and a half that uh, we're going to be lucky enough to to talk about a, a little bit with an expert. So um, let's uh, let's talk a little Super Bowl, a little NFL, shall we? Yep, and, and for those listening to this, you're probably listening just a few days before the Super Bowl or just after, but we're gonna talk about a little bit of futurism and uh, especially a lot in the digital space because our guest today is the Vice President of Digital Media and Business Development for the NFL, National Football League, Blake Stuchin. Blake, welcome to the Cusp Show. Joe, Tom, pleasure. Blake, so good to have you. Uh, so God, we have a zillion questions. Um, who, who knew that when we'd be planning or, or recording this podcast that uh, the, the word cloud of Reddit, Robinhood, GameStop, and a few other choice ones would be coming up Twitter uh, it, to be so prominent in the country. You guys are doing a ton of interesting stuff in digital media at the NFL, which is a, which is a um, really uh, fascinating to view because there's so much strategy going on. So I guess, Joe, if you don't mind, let's just jump right in. We'll yeah. hear a little bit about your some of your perhaps uh, background along the way, but rather than do the traditional, hey, tell us your story, let's get right into it because I think everybody's thinking about these issues that we're gonna address today, like what's going on with social media? How do you do deals in this you know crazy digital environment? What are some of your key performance indicators in these deals, strategy? Etc. So let's just jump right into that, and you can you can open it up any way you wish because I know you you probably want to put a, do a little prologue on kind of what the idea is behind your uh, your work. What we do at the NFL in our digital media business development group is think about first our fans and ultimately how we can create experiences and content that engages them in a way that's going to continue to be compelling and dynamic, reach them in a way that's going to complement everything that they do on TV. So the way that we work is first, we think about the business in two ways. There's the live games, which is about three hours a week for 20 weeks of the year. And then there's what we call 24 seven fan engagement, which is how do we reach our fans every other second of the day, as well as during that same three hour window on a second screen, third screen, and fourth screen. And so when we think about what are the ways that we can reach our fans and who do we partner with and how do we ultimately create value for the whole of that ecosystem, it starts with our fans and the game. What's gonna be compelling for them so that the 12 year old fan who historically found us on TV and radio and is increasingly finding us on those platforms as well, but also now a broad range of digital media endpoints is engaged and experiencing something that that fan wouldn't have seen anywhere else. When we start with that, it leads us to say, what are the major media trends? What are things that are happening that we can participate in or that we should be participating in that are relevant for our fans? So the way that we look at everything um, in the media space is to identify any place where our fans are spending their time. And again, historically, for the 101 years of the NFL and the 81 years that we have been on TV, it started with television. That's still a huge part of what we do. The live games are um, the centerpiece of everything that we create at the NFL. Around that, 
we think what then are other areas where we can continue to engage our fans and uh, build experiences that are going to be relevant for them anywhere they go. And so we can get into the specifics of it, but today, when you look ahead from where we've been, we have direct partnerships on the digital media side with Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Snapchat, Instagram, Reddit, TikTok, Giphy, basically fully distributed across all major North American social media and digital media platforms. We also have a digital video syndication business, which is pretty much anywhere you can see a highlight on the open web across the internet from great national properties like Yahoo and MSN to more than 200 plus local newspaper websites so that we're reaching fans not only on social media platforms and on the biggest national endpoints, but also in their local communities with these publications that are so well venerated and that they're reading every day uh, covering the, the local team in their local towns. We also have an original digital content business. So increasingly uh, with NFL films historically, as well as our network and all of the digital media uh, uh, properties that we have, we're creating original shows on every single platform in addition to what you can see on TV um, across ESPN, CBS, Fox, NBC, and DirecTV. Wow. Uh, Joe, a lot to unpack. What was the, que what was the question? <laughs> hey, um, um, go ahead, Joe. You, 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 get, um, you take the first one. Yep. So let's talk about. Um, we are here now in the uh, the end of January, uh, at the end of a week where we saw, as Tom mentioned at the beginning, Reddit kind of explode in terms of people talking about it. You know, the issues that happened with GameStop this week with Robinhood, um, but the NFL, unlike probably most other leagues um, has embraced Reddit for quite a while, especially this year. Tell us about the NFL's relationship with Reddit, how it developed. And, you know, like you and I had talked a month ago, a month or two ago about some of those really unique opportunities that rose up with players by listening to the people on Reddit. Um, so, so kind of walk us through the Reddit relationship where it is now and how it kind of helps the NFL grow in, in, a really conventional way, which people probably wouldn't have thought of. Reddit's a fascinating platform. And obviously what we're seeing this week speaks to that in a very different way. But what we saw in Reddit when we started working with them two years ago now um, is a massive community um, that within the football world was really focused on talking about football. You had deeply avid fans that were having conversations Steelers fans who said, who's the better quarterback, Roethlisberger or Bradshaw? Uh, you know, Ravens fans talking about who had the best defense ever, writing nine paragraph essays, analyzing everything from advanced stats to the most compelling moments of being in the stadium, watching Ray Lewis do his dance. These are some of the best fans we have. And for us, that was really exciting because we saw that as a community that had been built organically on Reddit for decades. And going back for those who don't know, Reddit is basically a big discussion board. Um, it is a, um, it actually predates social media. The meme was invented on Reddit. It is often called a startup, but this company was created in 2004. It is not brand new by any means. It is however, a deeply avid community with a collection of very different topics, broad ranging. Um, and it's always been driven by the users and the community. The thing that makes it different is that these discussion boards are completely moderated by the fans themselves, in the, by, the, by the users themselves. In the case of sports and football, there exists a subreddit, r slash NFL, which had 2 million fans on it. That number has since grown. Those fans were there, independent of the NFL, talking about football. We wanted to encourage that. That's great. It started with something as simple as that. The other piece of this that we thought was so interesting is Reddit has something called AMAs, Ask Me Anything. And AMAs are unique to Reddit. We've now seen this form interviewing people um, in a lot of different places. But the nature of Reddit is that there are people who come on Reddit every single day to participate in AMAs. And there are people who are looking for that kind of content on Reddit. And the only requirement of participating in an AMA for the person who's being interviewed is you have to be an expert in something. Some of those people are celebrities. Some of them have their own expertise. 
uh, we thought that was really exciting for football because it wasn't just about getting the biggest players and stars, although that's always compelling, but it was a great platform for us to bring coaches, equipment managers, business people who can talk about what we're talking about, the business of sports. And to bring that to our fans in a way that we just thought was native to that platform and they would like it. Because the other thing that we know is that with any social media platform and Reddit is certainly no exception, it's really important to be authentic and to uh, lean into what the platform does well, but nobody wants to be that Steve Buscemi meme, right? So to come out and understand that rather than being an interloper, we're going to actually lean into what it is that we think the audience and the fans would want. So we partnered with Reddit uh, two years ago and created this AMA program and said, we're gonna listen to the fans. We're not gonna get in the way of it. They're gonna keep having their conversation. But what we're gonna do is just try to provide some nuggets for them and exciting things that they might like. We brought NFL network talent on. We brought head coaches and NFL legends. Um, when we started with Reddit, the first piece of content we created is that we brought Chicago Bears great Devin Hester on prior to kickoff of the NFL's 100th season, which the first game was at Soldier Field in Chicago against the Packers, Bears-Packers rivalry, one of our oldest, most appreciated uh, rivalries, to ask Devin Hester, what's it like playing in this game? And the first thing he said was he was talking about when he felt like he knew he'd really made it in the NFL was when he was a rookie and he had returned a kick 108 yards to the house and he's looking up on the screen and seeing all the fans cheering for him at Soldier Field. That's a really great authentic moment. It was a very cool thing to be able to tell and for him to share that. It was a really cool experience for him, but also for us, this is a place to engage fans that's also a content engine. By having these types of conversations, that becomes a tweet. It becomes an Instagram post, a graphic. We're turning these AMAs into video series, inviting sponsors to participate in this so that they can actually uh, engage with the NFL and activate with their brand and engage our fans that way. Um, and so it's twofold. We have an audience on Reddit, which itself is one of the most popular websites on earth. And we're continuing to reach uh, the community there that are there talking about football and kind of staying in our lane there. Uh, but we're also um, using Reddit as a really exciting way um, to engage with our fans in the community and also um, put that content out across all of our different social media and digital media endpoints. Wow. Well, first of all, uh, kudos for you for doing that, because I believe you're the only league, major league, that is doing this on Reddit. Is that correct? I believe so. Uh, I know yeah. we were the first when we launched. Right. But but as you, as you described the strategy and your vision for it, it certainly makes sense, I would argue, for anybody in the business that's trying to interact with fans in a more organic, timely fashion uh, with uh, modern digital discourse. So good for you for trying it. But we are talking about an unregulated platform, just as all these third-party platforms are. So that's my kind of overarching questions for you guys at the league. And, and I can appreciate this from my old jobs uh, as much as anybody, but you, you are kind of treading into some funky waters with some of these endeavors. How are you handling that, particularly uh, in the environments like Reddit, which tend to be a little bit less visible, if you know what I mean? compared to let's say a, a popular Instagram post or a Facebook post. How are you dealing with, this is one final uh, point on the question. So each of these platforms that you mentioned, and it was a long list of them, all the leaders, has their own terms of service, their own guidelines, kind of their own sensibilities uh, and, and almost like their own ethical approach to this, to, to uh, user generated content. How are you handling that from platform to platform? It's a great question. And I think there's two main things for us that are always important. First, we wanna be where our fans are. And we recognize that with user-generated content, which is the case in every major public social media platform, there's always going to be a balance for any sports league and the NFL is no exception. There's always a balance between protecting our brand and being sensitive to how we present ourselves and understanding that we have to support and be there for our fans. User-generated platforms are going to have a wide range of commentary. The vast majority of it is really positive, especially when talking about football, when we're in the, the groups and the bulletin boards and the messaging environments specific to football, most of it is really positive or it's the type of 
banter and fun back and forth that we encourage fans debating one another about the best players or, you know, whether, um, you know, one team was better than another. There's always going to be outliers of, um, you know, things that could be challenging to deal with. And we, we take them as they come, but recognize that it's important for us to, um, to accept that that's the nature of the reality with the internet right now. Um, and we'll always try to do our part to ensure that those things um, can be in as safe an environment and as welcoming an environment as possible. Um, but I think it's, it's nonetheless important to be there and to be there for our fans and not um, ignore it uh, simply because we can't control all of it. How, so do you have, I assume you have people paying attention. So two questions here. How big is your social media team, like dedicated social media team at the league? And are they moderating or, or at least observing and kind of looking for problems, developing problems real time or close to it? So we're set up uh, with three groups primarily that work on this. My team that oversees all of our commercial activity, our strategy, our partnerships, that's a business-oriented team. Uh, I have a colleague named Dave Feldman, who's terrific, who, who uh, oversees uh, a group that we have called the Social Lab. And that team, which is based out in LA, is a team of content professionals, um, more than 40 of them, who are producing content for every single one of the platforms on which we publish. That team includes creative professionals, editorial folks, graphic designers, video editors, artists, so that again, the types of things that you're seeing from us are our highlights and photos and official content that you'd expect to see, but also original illustrations, infographics, supercuts of the best highlights in a way that you wouldn't see anywhere else. Dave's team does that really well. We also have then separately on the social listening side, when Tom, you're talking about how we protect our brand and manage it, we work in close contact with the NFL communications department, our legal team and others to make sure that when it comes to what others are saying about us, social media is just one of many channels that we listen in. In the same way that there are, uh, uh, you know, people have plenty of opinions about the NFL and share them. And we're sort of monitoring that broadly in a lot of different ways um, and, and as, as appropriate react to it. Nice. Cool. Blake, the last time we were physically in the same room was a year ago, March, at the MIT Sloan Conference. And the room we were in was watching a bunch of young people in competitive robotics, who you talked about, if you remember, we talked about getting into the Super Bowl for a bunch of other things that obviously didn't happen this year. When you And you are absolutely a futurist looking as to where things will go and how you can engage now. But looking back over the last eight months, so from March to the end of where we are now at the end of January, 2021. Um, what are some of the best practices or some of the things that you've seen come about that are applicable to your business and the business of the NFL from a digital media marketing standpoint uh, that we're seeing now or that you hope will continue on going forward? So what I'm so excited about when I think about where social media in particular has gone is that it feels like for us, we're entering into what's now what I call the third phase of sports social media. There, we started in this business, I joined the NFL in 2012. At the time, we had a Facebook account, we had a Twitter account, and we had a full-time staff of one producing content. Um, we entered into a partnership with Twitter in 2013 to put highlights on the internet. As trite and, and convenient as that may sound, it's been a tremendous success. Twitter's been a great partner of ours. That first year, we put four in-progress highlights per week online and a few pieces of content outside of Thursday Night Football. And it was just for Thursday Night Football. When we did that in 2013, it was the first time ever that an NFL fan could watch a highlight on a phone or a tablet outside of a specific and separate dedicated app for Verizon subscribers only. And that was the nature of how we were set up then. Verizon's been a great partner and continues to be. The rights landscape has changed and some other things. We, we really were keen to make discovery that much better for our fans. And one more just 
anecdote on this because it's always fun. The first highlight we ever published on Twitter was four and a half minutes long. And it wow. took us 28 minutes to publish it. Fast forward to today. Yeah, we, we've gotten a little bit better and the tech has certainly improved. I know you've had many guests on, Tom and Joe, who've talked about that quite a bit. But if you think about this, the first generation of the partnerships that we had and the first generation of where I think sports social media was, was get highlights on the internet. Do it as quickly as you can, just get it there. It's the foundation of the building block for everything. It still is the first step for any major sports league to be able to go live. And by the way, a highlight, a great highlight is a great highlight on any platform, but that doesn't mean it should be presented the exact same way, know the environment and know the user base around that. And so for us, so much of that was learning what the user behavior is and what fans want on each of these platforms. Phase one, get it on the internet. We did that with Twitter, with Facebook, with YouTube. Phase two began for us in 2015 when we partnered with Snapchat, creating the first ever story that was a brand new product that Snap had invented at the time. Now we see them, you know, stories are ubiquitous now, but if you look back in that era, um, we created the first ever sports story uh, on Snapchat um, around the NFL draft. And the idea at the time and what was such a novel breakthrough for us was this was not just about having another distribution endpoint for the same content, but instead to actually tell a story for our fans in a way that we can't do anywhere else. The story of the draft, and it continues to this day, is not only featuring official NFL highlights, which is a big part of it, and behind the scenes content that only we can produce from our access and from that of our, our clubs and our, our production team, but also the tens of thousands of fans who were on site, whether at the event in person or at the 27 draft parties that we geofenced that night to be able to celebrate it. So imagine during that draft, commissioner comes out and announces with the first pick in the draft, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers select Jameis Winston, quarterback, Florida State University. And you see that the fans are all booing inside of the the, the uh, auditorium theater in Chicago, Roger's a good sport about that sort of stuff, cut away to Raymond James Stadium in Tampa where the fans are celebrating because they have their quarterback of the future. What they didn't know at the time was that the guy wearing number 12 in New England was actually gonna be moving over and that would work out for them too, but still really excited about it. Then cut straight to a bar in Tallahassee where the Florida State Seminole students are cheering because their quarterback, their Heisman Trophy winning national championship winning quarterback is now going to be playing at that stadium not too far away for the Buccaneers. That ability to tell that story is something that we'd never seen before. We did that with Snapchat. Fast forward all the way to the way we were working with Giphy, where by 2019, we were Giphy's largest partner, creating stickers and emojis, including, and one of my all-time favorites, a gif of deandre hopkins nodding and saying the word yup was seen more than 600 million times in 2018 and was the eighth most downloaded gif on the internet and what's exciting to me about that is that's not just about football and sports that's expression that's human communication because our fans can express themselves by instead of saying Hey, Tom and Joe, do you want to go get a bite to eat? You don't need to text, yup, you can put DeAndre Hopkins nodding or Cam Newton smiling or JJ Watt celebrating a sack. That's phase two. So where are we entering into with phase three? We keep building on these things and now look ahead actually to the original partner with Verizon because Verizon earlier this year launched a new experience inside of Yahoo Sports called Watch Together, which is... Um, in the earliest phases of what this can be, but that's why it's so exciting. What we're so all used to every day now, being on Zoom calls and Google Meets and Hangouts, talking to people now uh, on a digital screen, we can now do while watching the live game at the same time. The execution today is fairly straightforward. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Every one of the NFL games is available for free on your phone or tablet in the Yahoo Sports app, the NFL app, our club apps. It's available in the same way that you could watch it on TV. No authentication. It's right available for you. It's been a great amount of progress that we've been able to make from a right standpoint to make that available to our fans. But the next phase of that is being able to actually watch the game, even in a post-pandemic world, where our friends are gathered on the living room couch 
or in a bar or restaurant or somewhere altogether, but there's someone who isn't there being able to interact with that person at the same time and then lean into all the things that we've learned about augmented reality. Can we add filters, bitmojis, lenses, stickers to make the way that we interact with each other that much more engaging and do something that actually builds upon the experience of watching in person? Then imagine a world where we can take data for fantasy players to be able to track in real time, not only the live game, but also get updates and have a custom ticker. All of these things are going to be possible. The convergence of 5G technology and the maturation of the, the video infrastructure to support this isn't fully there yet, but it will be really soon. And that's what's so exciting for us because when we think about the future of social media for our fans and what does the sports viewing environment look like in the future, first, it's actually one thing that's held true for the 101 years of the NFL. It always starts with the live game. The game itself matters and being in person in the stadium is the best way to watch the game. But when you come out of that, for those who can't, because for the vast majority of our fans, the way they interact with football is through media, being able to create richer and better environments that continue to build upon that live game by giving them new ways to interact with their friends uh, is something that we're only just getting started on. And that's what we're so excited about for the future. All right, I got a, a question, Blake, because we've all lived through the the incredible evolution of social media and just thinking back to the early days, even, even when you told the story of what it was like when you started in 2012, how different things were. So the live game, which is the, the key premium content that all the leagues are, are most focused on, is part of what many of the analysts called the television industrial complex, you know, ad supported you know, the sponsors, it all works together and it's worked really well for 60, 65 years for the sports business. But what the social media explosion has caused is something we've talked a lot about in this podcast and certainly in my class and uh, some of our events at NYBC Sports even, which is this kind of alternative universe of content, uh, which I like to call the, the highlights industrial complex, which is kind of enormous right now, uh, as we all know from consuming it. What I'm, what I'm wondering and increasingly concerned about in Sports Innovation Lab, which we recently interviewed Josh Walker, been talking about this vis-a-vis -vis the fluid fan, that fans are just because of all the different devices consuming things differently. Is there any concern that for a certain percentage of young, especially young sports fans, that the tail may be wagging the dog, meaning the, the, this highlights mosaic in the, in the form of uh, game highlights, memes, GIFs, uh, stories might be go a good enough product for them as opposed to spending three hours and 15 minutes watching the game? We look at all of this really closely, Tom, and it, it's always something that it's the right question to be asking, and it's always something that we will continue to monitor and track. Um, there's two things that have remained true for us. We think that if we put a high quality product out there in the live form, people will continue to watch. There's still nothing else like NFL television and watching what well, NFL games and watching a full game at that is still the best way to do that. On top of it, we also recognize that um, we need to be where our fans are. There are certain macro and mega trends that exist that we can't completely change. I just don't think that we're ever gonna be successful if we fight and avoid where audiences have gone and migrated toward. What we try to do with anything on the digital media side is create rich experiences that themselves are driving back ultimately to our live game. We started two years ago working with Twitter to take in-progress highlights, which now are probably uh, we're at a point now where during a live game, we're able to get a highlight up within two minutes, if not less, of when the moment itself has happened. Every single live highlight that we put up on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram throughout the season has tune-in messaging. It takes you directly back into the live game. We are continuing to try to experiment and innovate with different ways to help our fans be made aware of the fact that we have live games. Uh, and while it's challenging, um, there's also more demand and competition than ever for people's attention. The way that we think about all of these digital platforms is that these should all be 
ways to both engage fans exactly where they are and tell them that our games are being played. In, uh, in terms of the fan development, Blake, um, certainly the first, the wild card playoff game on Nickelodeon was different and generated tremendous amount of buzz and exposure, rightfully so. Um, your thoughts on what that was uh, and were you surprised? And also, where does it go from here, not just for the NFL, but for other sports properties looking to engage an audience, whether it's with Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, Triller, it doesn't matter who it is. Where, where does it go from here? And, and tell us your, your thoughts about how that played out for Nickelodeon. I thought it was fantastic. It, it was really great. And it's a, it's a huge credit to the CBS Viacom team in particular at Nickelodeon who um, did such an outstanding job. Um, the live telecast itself was seen by more than 2 million people on Nick in addition to uh, you know, tens of millions of people um, across CBS properties. Um, that was the most watched show on Nick in a few years. Um, and obviously the, the audience there for us is really compelling. It's a, it's a very different and younger audience. Um, I watched the game with my six-year-old and four-year-old. Um, and to have my six-year-old in particular who does not have real interest in sports yet, maybe ever, um, be sitting there watching with me and uh, waiting to see when a touchdown is scored so that he can see his favorite players get slimed um, and seeing the blockies, as we called them, who are these uh, taking highlights and turning them into these very fun and uh, block-like animated characters, it engaged him in a way that we've never seen before. Um, so look, going back to Tom's earlier question, I just think we, um, we need to, and we've benefited at the NFL from always trying to experiment and push boundaries and have been fortunate to have terrific partners that do that as well. Um, what the CBS team deserves a lot of credit for is we've seen a lot of mega casts and uh, simulcasts out there. We've done it ourselves with the Thursday night football experience for years now with Amazon uh, and Twitch uh, and happy to talk about that more because there's some great things we've learned as well. Um, but one thing that we've learned that really makes a huge difference is so many of these um, are not necessarily that differentiated in broadcast outside of just having different commentary. And that's great to have, you know, the home team announcers is interesting for a certain subset of fans. But when there's real investment made in different graphics packages, different experiences, the, the thing that you would have seen uh, if you saw that Nick broadcast is that um, from top to bottom, they really reimagined what it should look like. Um, and it was really fun. And there are plenty of things that I think we can build on. Not sure if it's going to be something that you'll see every week of the season. I think we all agree that's probably too early, but for some of our big events, for certain special things, uh, and certainly for highlights and other types of one-offs as well, um, this is a great way for us to keep staying relevant with younger audiences uh, and learn new things while ultimately still trying to support and drive awareness of our live games themselves. Hey, Blake. Um, a lot of the digital consultants and futurists are talking about how we are beginning the, the, the legit phase of more uh, popularized VR experiences coming to market. So Facebook Oculus just had a big holiday season of sales, as you know. Some of the leagues have uh, various VR experiences in the software store of Oculus. When might we see some more stuff coming from you guys in that realm? And I know you're probably following, obviously, the, uh, the sales figures of the hardware because you need the hardware uh, adoption to keep growing. But we're about, we're about to watch Super Bowl 55. Could, could we have a VR experience for Super Bowl 60, let's say, in five years? I think one day, sure. Look, I, I think- One day, one it, day. Yeah. I, we, we need an exact Super Bowl in Roman in Roman numerals, please. Uh, you know, it's uh, I, I don't know that I don't know that my Roman numeral uh, <laughs> okay. uh, tracking is is good enough. It's one well, of the mine, things I need to, do, be, to, I need to retrain be, myself on at the league office. Well, you can just say LX. Okay? <laughs> How about LX? No, I, we're super excited about it. Um, you know, you, you see, we've done a fair number of things in VR over the years. We also are spending a lot of time in AR um, and both have real promise. Um, on one end of the spectrum is these very detailed, completely immersive experiences like what you're seeing with Oculus Quest right now. Obviously the hardware adoption is still growing considerably, but still relatively low as compared to something as, as mass media and scaled as TV or phones 
that come to mind. Um, so it's still fairly early and you know, we're trying to figure out the right ways to do that and ultimately do it really well for our fans and make something that would work in that environment, whether that's live or VOD, I think is still fairly early um, for us. But I certainly would expect that that kind of environment will come into play. There's also a whole host of other things in and around the NFL that are, I think, tremendously promising in VR. Gaming comes to mind. EA Sports has been a partner with the Madden franchise for more than 30 years. It's a, it's a huge part um, of what we do. And it's also been, for decades now, a great driver of fandom. People say, I discovered football by playing Madden. What does, what does the NFL look like inside of a VR environment for gaming in the future? On another end of the spectrum, we have a terrific partnership with Epic uh, and the Fortnite uh, franchise, and increasingly with with Rocket League as well. And so we're working, you know, with uh, with Epic to create these, uh, you know, new experiences where fans today inside of Fortnite can be, you know, wearing NFL apparel uh, and dressing up their characters, um, you know, with our merchandise. Uh, I think there's a lot more that you can see in VR in the future. And then, you know, over on the AR side, all kinds of interesting overlays inside of the, the, the physical world. So along those lines of new and different and interesting, you mentioned it before, take us through streaming, the Amazon relationship, pivoting to Twitch, which, you know, Tom and I have both really looked at how that has played out and where do you think that type of relationship from a user, not just user generated, but a user's perspective. A user um, experience. Yeah. Experience in, yeah. in Twitch and with Amazon will go, not just for the NFL, but for sports in general. We're three years in now to this TriCast relationship as we call it with Amazon. And before that, we, uh, we, we launched all of this with Twitter. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's, it's come a long way and they, and they were a terrific partner as well. And obviously we continue to work with them very closely. Thursday nights for us, I think is such a great example of how far we've come and also how much there is to keep going on a given Thursday night during the regular season for the NFL, you can watch a live NFL game on Fox. You can see it simulcast on NFL network. You can also watch that game on your phone or tablet inside of the NFL app, the Yahoo sports app the app of the two clubs that are playing um, and now also on Amazon Prime Video and on Twitch. The Prime Video experience, uh, you know, when you consider the more than, I think it's 130 million households now that have Prime. Uh, so in, in some ways it's, it's fast become something that, you know, based on the size of the country, it's so large that if, if you don't have Amazon Prime, your neighbor does, it, it, that, it's that scaled as far as the number of households. It really is a fairly ubiquitous reach medium. Um, the Prime Video experience started with just carrying the game and then additionally having some really uh, interesting innovations with alternative audio, namely Hannah Storm and Andrea Kramer, the first all-female broadcast duo, um, broadcast booth, uh, also covering the game for now several seasons. Um, we also have some alt audio in, in several different languages, which is something that we can't do as easily um, inside of other environments. Um, and again, that game is made available around the world. What we've then built on with Twitch, and it's a credit to the Amazon team that, that's pushed so hard here, is the game is available on Twitch. Fans can watch it and they can hear the Buck and Aikman call. But beyond that, um, we invited, now going back three years, we invited co-streamers uh, through the Twitch community who themselves, these are some of the Twitch uh, influencers and streamers who have some of the biggest audiences Tim the Tatman, Gold Glove, Ninja a few years ago, who themselves are avid fans. Ninja is a huge Detroit Lions fan. And he's inviting his massive community of followers to watch the game with him, not trying to imitate or be a broadcaster, but instead doing what he and all of these Twitch streamers do so well, which is invite people into their own environments, talking with them conversationally like they're on the couch together. And the thing that we've learned that's been so impressive is the velocity of comments during one of these live games is tremendous. It speaks to the power of Twitch as a platform. It also speaks to how compelling NFL football is and is working really well on Twitch. So we've seen them do a lot more. We've got an increasing number of uh, streamers that are carrying the game um, and broadcasting alongside uh, you know, the, the live feed on Thursday nights. Um, 
And we've also uh, leaned into the platform. We're creating custom custom emotes and a host of other things so that fans can express themselves in those comments um, and increasingly be able to um, you know, do that much more with how they watch the game. All right, Blake, we're going to ask, I know we only have about eight or 10 minutes left. So we ask everybody two questions, but I got one more quick biz question. Uh, and you can give a, a, a brief answer because it's a big topic and, and I wish we had more time, but we don't. Tell us about um, your thoughts or the league's thoughts about the growing prevalence of legalized sports gambling, especially mobile, as it relates to uh, the experience, changing the experience of live viewing. Yeah, I mean, it, it starts with really exciting. It starts with making sure that the integrity of the game is protected. So the first thing that we have to do, as is always the case, is make sure that we're able to monitor this as best as we can to ensure that the product on the field remains consistent and stable and safe and that the environments are protected also um, for uh, you know, any uh, sort of bad actors um, or even problematic gambling that could arise because this is something that you know, has uh, a legal age limit and other things like that. Once those are in place and, and we feel like you know, we're seeing the states increasingly get um, you know, that much more um, sophisticated about this, um, the promise for media is really um, uh, compelling. What we talked already about the increasing personalization of fans' feeds, whether that's the live game or so many of the things that we do on social media, which are so focused on providing something for everyone, but also doing so by creating differentiated experiences that, that fans can share. Sports betting uh, creates a lot more of that. So when you think about, we, we've got, uh, we've learned a lot being in the fantasy space for many years. We're increasingly going to be working um, with a host of companies to, whether it's licensing data through Sport Radar, our official uh, data provider, um, to having both a daily fantasy partner in DraftKings, a casino partner in Caesars. Over time, um, we expect that the media experience that fans are watching will lean into more personalized versions of that. So imagine a mega cast or a tri cast in the future that there might be a sports betting specific feed, or there could be a second screen experience for those who are interested in it uh, to be able to follow along with the bets they've placed. All of those things are, are coming. Um, some of them are already here. I think the balance with all of this is we're also looking really closely as a sport that has 191 million fans in the US alone, we wanna make sure that the uh, experience that they get is one that they're looking forward to and that they're comfortable with. And this will continue to grow in terms of its area of interest. But right now, um, it's, uh, you know, it's something that you're not going to see as much of directly in the live game on TV. Um, but you will see it in a host of other areas where fans who are interested in that um, can continue to, you know, enjoy that experience. And, um, you know, and, and we'll keep sort of building on it as it goes. Nice. Joe, you want to? Yep. So, um, like, yep. We ask uh, all our guests to close out with two thoughts. Where do you get your information? And you have pr a pretty vast uh, list of things that are on your plate. So I'm sure you get it in places far and wide. And then, obviously, we've got a lot of people who listen to this who are students who are also changing careers. Uh, you know, what advice do you give to? people in that kind of mix of transition in life and business? I love the media diet question because the answer is anywhere we can. But as to, you know, following specific media trends, the vast majority for me is a set of newsletters, many of which are free and for students can be, you know, downloaded at no cost, sign up, subscribe. Um, you know, I, um, I read some of the industry trades, but the bulk of it increasingly is following thought leaders who cover this space on Twitter. Um, it's a major part of my own media diet, um, you know, along with uh, some of the sports business um, focused um, content uh, uh, providers. Um, there's really no end to where I get my information. There's daily places to start. Um, and then there's things that come up ad hoc. The best place to get it though, is by talking directly to the people who are actually um, 
developing all of these things. You know, it goes back to the first question we asked about how do, how do we think about the media business? One of the um, things that we're really fortunate about at the NFL is we do have some deep relationships already with some of the largest media platforms uh, and I've been fortunate to get to know many of these people. Um, probably the best thing I can say is ask them. Um, that transitions, Joe, to your question about, you know, ad advice for students. Um, you know, I've been at the NFL now nearly 10 years and I never thought I would be here and I never sought to work in sports. I've always had a career in media. I've been doing that my, uh, basically my whole professional life in some ways my whole life. And that's a, a story for another time. But what, uh, the way I wound up at the NFL in the first place is that I was accepting a friend request on LinkedIn. And the first role I ever had at the NFL popped up in the jobs you may be interested in box, yeah. which I had never clicked on before and have it since. But uh, I saw that, thought it sounded interesting. Um, hadn't put two and two together as a media professional that sports is so heavily driven by media. Shame on me, but I've learned since. And took that... Uh, reached out, met the person who would be my first boss at the NFL uh, very shortly thereafter. But what I did in parallel was um, spent a lot of time reaching out to anyone in my network who could talk to me and help educate me about this industry um, so that I could learn more. Um, I continue to do the same to this day. I still get cold inbounds on LinkedIn all the time. Um, I encourage others to do that. Not everybody's going to write back. It's going to be a, a process of, you know, firing off a lot of shots. But generally speaking, um, if you're comfortable doing that, people will usually pay it forward and are, are generally pretty uh, helpful. Um, I've certainly been fortunate to have that in my career, and I, I try to do the same for others. Um, I think that um, any type of discussion and, and outreach on things like this is helpful. Um, and the more that people come not just by asking for one's time, but with a thoughtful question or with some point of differentiation um, makes a huge difference and is that much more compelling to get someone to respond and you know click reply. I I'm sitting here nine and a half years later, still fortunate that that happened for me. Um, and so I try to do the same for others. All right, Joe, I got to end with this question of Blake. Since I was a, uh, an NFL media guy back in the day, and Blake's doing it now, we're kind of kindred spirits. So I got to I'm going to quiz him on a, a digital media thing. So, so Blake, I'm going to hold up something, some things, and I want to see if you can identify them. Okay. Hopefully, you can see this. We're doing this on Zoom. This is amazing radio, Tom. I have to say, this is. Okay. I, I hope. I know, but I, this I don't is a little bit of an insider for the, for the viewers to. So, Tom is holding up a CD-ROM. Uh, I thought it was an album for a, for a second. And uh, this is, uh, so that's a DVD. Well, it's a CD-ROM, technically. It's a, the first one was a CD-ROM, yeah. and I don't know if it was a DVD or a CD-ROM, but NFL, and what, NFL football? But wait, NFL Cybercard Series 2, John Elway. So, Blake, these were our digital media products when I was there in 1996, because there was no social media. Uh, the internet was just starting. We wanted to do digital things, and this was our one of our best bets. So I'm glad uh, it's it's really uh, reassuring to me that you could identify them so quickly. Thank you. <laughs> hey, um, I would imagine somewhere in the bottom of Tom's closet, he actually has one of the AOL discs that we used to get. Oh, probably, yeah, for sure. <laughs> anyway, love it. I had I had hundreds. Yeah. They served this doorstop. Well, the league has come a long way, Blake. I mean, to think back about the evolution, which is something um, we, we, Joe and I love to talk about when we review in our program in different ways, and it, even in all the different classes, because they all kind of go back to the fact that this business has changed so drastically, things are accelerating so quickly, and it's, I, I got to really give you um, a, a compliment and say, you guys are on it. Like, your, your thoughts about the strategy, all the experimentation, all the executions, really impressive. So uh, great job. Cool. Hey, Thank um, you guys. And, and look at, um, you know, as we're coming up on Super Bowl Sunday, one thing that, Tom, I was thinking about is, you know, looking at what we're going to be doing. And I'll, I'll just, without giving away too much uh, of some surprises that we have planned, um, what I get excited about is not just that we have these partnerships where we create uh, media content increasingly, they're becoming physical activations as well. Um, I talked about the first social partnership we ever had was Twitter in 2013. You fast forward to last year, we 
partnered with Tip Twitter at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami to drop confetti with tweets inside of it, printed wow. on confetti wow. from the stadium floor, from the stadium ceiling rather, landing on the floor as the team was celebrating in post game. And one of my favorite parts about that is there was a tweet that a much younger Patrick Mahomes had written that said the Super Bowl, I want to win me one of those one day that wow. was printed among that confetti that fell to the floor and was found by Chiefs teammates and handed to him, Crazy. which brings together a digital world and a physical world in a way that I never could have imagined when we started, but is why I get so excited about all the things that we're going to keep doing. This coming Super Bowl, we're going to have brand new experiences like that that keep building on it. Um, you know, and, and we're just looking forward to what I got to cite one more example. I can't resist Joe because I discovered once again, that the NFL published a digital copy of the Super Bowl game program. So another good move, Blake, that was my single biggest project in my job back then. It used to be a massive business for us. And to see actually the magazine experience uh, uh, rendered on a, digi on, a, on a laptop, I, I think it actually works quite well. So I'm glad you're still doing that. Thank you. Thank you for building the foundation for our digital media business, Tom. Hey, um, uh, Blake, the last thing is, how do people find you? Uh, on on various social platforms. Uh, hit me up at B Stuchin at all of the various social media platforms or Blake Stuchin on LinkedIn. Great, cool. Well, um, I guess that's a wrap. Uh, we hope everyone enjoys the Super Bowl because you'll be listening to this hopefully as the lead up to Super Bowl. But regardless of when you listen to it, I'm sure there are a lot of lessons learned that are kind of timeless right now. And it'll be interesting to revisit this again in about a year to see what else we've learned. But Blake Stuchin, uh, from the NFL. Thanks for joining us here on the Cusp Show. Hey, Tom, Joe, thanks so much. And and by the way, uh, you know, we've got jobs and we're hiring. Check out NFL.com and click on the jobs link um, now. And especially post Super Bowl, they'll be out there. So anybody interested, we've got a broad range of roles across the organization and uh, always. Blake, uh, Blake great uh, I just want to you know, say thanks again. And also wish you luck moderating all the social media activity on Super Bowl Sunday. Have fun with that. <laughs> Thank you, Joe and Tom. All right, we'll see, you we'll see everybody next week. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.